Today's On Shuffle episode is brought to you by Belvedere Vodka. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere Vodka is made with non-GMO Polish raw, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere Vodka was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015-2016 and 2017. Thus, we're very excited to have Belvedere Vodka as a sponsor of On Shuffle. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always, always drink responsibly. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, yes, indeed. It is another episode of On Shuffle. I am your host, Micah Peters, staff writer at The Ringer. Great website. And for this week's episode, we're going to talk about Tiana Taylor's album, which technically, according to a tweet and an interview on Big Boy TV, is not actually done yet. But we can't talk about an album that we don't have. So we're just going to have to talk about the keep that same energy that came out sort of on Friday, I guess Saturday, technically. But I'm going to talk about the entire slate of good music albums with my colleague, Justin Charity, and then... My former colleague, Hannah Georges, who is now a staff writer at The Atlantic, is going to join for the second half of the episode, and we're going to talk about the Tiana Taylor album that did come out and what Kanye is doing with Tiana Taylor's career, which, you know, all we can really do is scratch our heads about it. So let's get into it. Let's relitigate Good Music Month. The most beautiful thoughts are always inside the darkest. Kissy ghost sometimes. Escobar season begins. Sometimes we say things that we really don't mean. We- Exhale that held breath. We have come out on the other side. Good music month. Kanye West Marathon release schedule of a new seven-song project every Friday in June, and I guess May also, is over. First was Pusha T's Daytona, then Ye's own Ye, Cuddy joined for Kids See Ghosts, apparently there was a Nas album, and finally Tiana Taylor's KTSE, which stands for Keep That Same Energy. We laughed, we cried, we cried laughing, we sighed heavily, we rolled our eyes, we did a lot of staring at splash screens. What my colleague Justin Charity is here to help me figure out, though, is what exactly we learned. Charity, how you doing, man? I'm good. I, le- I learned I learned a lot about <laughs> what I expect out of Kanye West and his associates. <laughs> I learned that I'm tired of Kanye. I learned that Kanye should only produce R&B. I learned that... Uh, no, nah, I guess I didn't learn that much. <laughs> I guess, I guess these are actually relative. I guess I'm a simple man who's come to relatively simple conclusions. <laughs> and what exactly is that? I mean, because Kanye's always kind of wielded a celebrity like a blunt instrument. But what about this rollout was different? Kanye has this overproduced, like much in the same way that a lot of his beats are overproduced, right? He has this overproduced sense of stagecraft. And the yay rollout seemed like a culmination of that, or at least a continuation of the life of Pablo rollout, you Mm -hmm. know, in the sense that he felt the need for it to be this real time living, breathing document slash, uh, multimedia concert experience of album promotion. Yeah. And this album cycle has been a lot of, 
it's just been a lot, I guess. Um, uh, Kanye's so, always been a lot, though. That's the thing. He's, I mean, he's always been a lot. And certainly since My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, he's been a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with all of these, with his return to Twitter and him talking about how he was going to write a philosophy books, and surprise, it was just tweets. Did Daytona catch you entirely by surprise? Or was it just kind of like, Kanye sabotaging what was always going to be a solid project by, you know, two days before buying a Whitney a picture of Whitney Houston's bathroom for $85,000 and slapping it on the cover, which just was insensitive on a level that I can't really reach. For a moment, and we'll talk about when this changed, but for a moment, I, I held that the Pusha T album, Daytona, was far and away the best project to come out of these sessions. If you know, you know... If you know, you know. If you know, you know. This thing of ours, oh, this thing of ours. I mean, that album is surprising in the sense that I just, I never really invested heavily in the idea that Pusha T and Kanye was an ideal pairing, right? Like dating back to the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy sessions. I always thought that was a sort of dead end for Pusha because I I really just don't think I, Pusha's a guy who for a long time has cast about for a real strong modern production outlook and I guess that's what people wanted from Kanye but Kanye just became so overproduced and so like quasi luxurious after a point that I just didn't know that 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 sound outlook would fit Pusha but I think T- Daytona after a decade of trying really made the Kanye Pusha dynamic makes sense for Pusha T. And so I appreciate that much about Daytona. And I was genuinely surprised by it because I was just sort of like tapping my watch and being like, all right, I don't know, Kanye. I've been I've been being sold that partnership for so long and so little before Daytona really seemed to come of it. Yeah, it was kind of the feeling of everything sort of clicking into place, so to speak. Because otherwise it's like coasting off of Runaway for, you know... <laughs> For almost a decade. For like a decade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm so, like, run away. I'm supposed to be excited, so excited about this one song of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that I'm, I'm supposed to just be rooting for this particular pairing for a decade with nothing to show for it. And then Daytona comes out. It's pretty good. Here's another question about the good music month. Do you believe that there was an earlier, more complete version of Yay? And were you curious to hear what it sounded like after hearing how more complete Kids See Ghosts was? I believe that there was an earlier version of Yay. I think I think artists always have sort of earlier versions of albums that go unheard, right? Like I think of LL Cool J having just you know, 300 com- completed songs in a safe somewhere, right? <laughs> and it's it, Kanye. Just ready to do it to you meatballs. Just ready to do it to you meatballs. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely believe there's an earlier version. I don't know that I believe it was a more complete version. I mean, I, I granted, like, if you make the actual version that comes out, you know, you make that, you write that album in seven days, then it, it sounds incomplete compared to a lot of things. Sometimes I take all the shine Talk like I drank all the wine Here's a head but way behind I'm on one, two, three, four, five I encourage all of you to go out there and read the profile that uh, John Caramonica wrote at the New York Times about the time that he spent with Kanye in Wyoming during this period of time. 
Uh, highlight. Perhaps it's not surprising to learn that eight days before its release, Kanye said he'd had none of the lyrics to Ye written, and he still went to see Deadpool 2 twice. <laughs> Which, you know, like probably explains his affinity for fourth wall breaks. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, man. Also, um, scooping poop and, and scooping things of that nature. <laughs> <laughs> poop, doody, whoop, scoop. Poop. Okay, so what about Kid Sea Ghost? It's more enjoyable than Ye, certainly. It definitely sounds like it's probably very effective on the sort of person who willingly listens to Kid Cudi music, (laughs) I guess. I feel like I'm being attacked here. It just sounds the most regressive to me in a way. The most musically regressive. Like a lot of it just sounds like a combination of... I will concede a lot of it sounds like it could have been made in 2010. Like after... Yeah. Like during the Man on the Moon 2 sessions or whatever. I, I, I will give you that. But my immediate reaction to it was such that I liked it because Ye was so bad. <laughs> I just... My sort of regressive opinion about it is that it feels too white music adjacent like I just don't really I'm so I'm so reborn I'm moving forward keep moving forward keep moving forward ain't no stress on me lord the songs sound too like vague top 40-ish campfire bullshit it's just not my vibe that's i, I will say this about Which is probably Ghost. why it happened around a literal campfire <laughs> right but it's the that that album is the most programmatically like you know what this um this this music the musical perspective of kids sea ghost is just not for me he put a murakami thing on the cover and is like oh this is art now i don't know man that's sort of a washed 40-year-old's conception of what a, a young, a youthful creative idea is and not an actual youthful creative idea itself. Mm. Okay, so there was a Nas album that we all forgot about because the Carters happened, but... Oh, my God. Let's talk about this Nas let's, album. Let's, 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 talk, talk, about let's talk about it. The Nas album is the, the component of Good Music Month that I am the most just... I didn't want to say angry, just... Disappointed by Just disappointed by it I don't wanna hurt nobody We just came here to party See a few dames exchange some names I'm a top shot the kid Stay in your lane The cop shot the kid Same old same Pour out a little liquor Alright what's your What's your Nas album take? Full disclosure After Everything is Love came out Everyone that might recall The fact that Nas's album Didn't come out like he basically missed all of all right. the where is the link I need it right now kind of clicks he would have gotten after the weird live stream. And then the Carters happened and nobody cared about the Nas album anymore. Like full disclosure, I like I didn't listen to it in full until like late last week. And my th- my review is that it was boring, which I think is the biggest sin that you can commit after taking so long to come out with your follow up to your last album. Especially on t- like it's just the pairing of what I know about the the pairing of Kanye and Nas is that the last time it happened, still dreaming happened, and I love that song. That's the best pairing of those two people is still dreaming. Yeah, it's interesting that you just, you describe the album as boring. 
chiefly. Because to me, it's not the problem with the album isn't that the album is boring. It's that Nas is bored making it. Listen, man, I love Nas. And I, I specifically think that a lot of conventional wisdoms about Nas are wrong, specifically mm-hmm. as it relates to his taste in production and his beat selection and how his beat selection has affected his career and sort of made his discography sound. But I just listened to this album and think none of Kanye's sort of mismanaged samples and over-eager production can really cover up for the fact that Nas just sounds like he had to, he at gunpoint had to make an, like, write and record an album in, in like, 72 hours. And Nas is from the 90s. Like, Nas is not, you know what I mean? It's like Nas is not doing what Kanye is doing. Nas, like, smokes way too much weed and forgets, the lyrics to even his most popular songs. And he just sounds like a guy who's out of his element and who just is like, what? Why are we making this album? <laughs> oh, right. I wanted to make an album this quarter, I guess. Okay. I just oh, think it's like do- really funny that it took as long as it did for the album to come out after Nas was on DJ Khaled's album in 2014 on a oh song God. literally called Nas Album Done. <laughs> right. Nas Album Done. It just sounds like an album that he didn't want to make. And it also sounds like the inverse of Daytona, right? Where, again, Daytona was an album where I never really understood the enthusiasm for the Pusha Kanye dynamic, but then Daytona feels like a payoff to it. The Nas album feels like it totally undermines the idea that Nas ever needed Kanye or even generally that his problem was, oh, he needs like a really hot zeitgeisty producer. Like if you, if that's a lot of people have always believed that about Nas and I, there is no greater counterpoint to those people than the Kanye West produced Nas album, which happens to be the worst Nas album. Yeah. Uh, you wrote about this in the, in your piece on the ringer.com great website which is called when good music isn't good the sad crappy demise of kanye west maximalism you uh described the nas album as like a, sh- a sample showcase which i thought was kind of on the nose like my favorite song off of the nas album was white label and it's really just because i really like that charm sapre prison song sample it's kind of terrific the product is slick rich somebody would have told me then i come out of this shit rich and start up a business i would have thought they was playing all the niggas i ran with all that weight they was weighing and i mean like it's he's drowned out by it right i can't remember a single thing that he said on the song really right but i do remember the samples that were used don't fall too far from the I kind of already brought up the the Carter's Nas thing about how they suckled, suckered him onto title and then beat him with outsized importance. Um, yeah, that's that's messed up. <laughs> they yeah. know they're wrong. I mean, was they that your reading that of wrong. it? I mean, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, look, come on. I mean, it's it's a Beyonce J rollout. Like there clearly is a huge machinery there. It's not like they just pick release dates on a whim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's clearly like a huge team effort. And they a shot lot a of, music video at the Louvre. Right, right totally. They <laughs> like, didn't just do all of that and then be like, oh, this Nas album dropping. Let's, let's fuck the, you know what I mean? It's like, that's <laughs> not. Also, from my understanding, that is not, not even in some secret way. Like, that's just not the nature of Jay and Nas's relationship at, the, at this point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Really, though, it, that was just a way to talk about the fact that each of these releases feels like very minor to the discography of the artist that is putting them out. Specifically what I wrote about is the idea that the releases feel minor. They feel like minor works. And that is in contrast with 
Kanye's overpromotion of them. Like in a way, I want to say, I want to say about musicians in general, like, yeah, it's fine to make music that's a bit more subdued and a bit quirkier and maybe a bit more. I don't want to give Kanye the credit of being like a smart and inaccessible music, but <laughs> I think it's okay for you to not to make an an album where you maybe had some other thing in mind than yo we need we need to make the hit single, right? I think that's totally fine, but it just runs up very awkwardly against Kanye's maximalist promotional outlook, the listening parties, the tweet scandals, like everything he he does so much and it just feels like that's what creates this impossible pressure that makes it so that when you listen to these albums and they all feel like marginal minor releases it feels like a false bill of goods and it's easy to walk away from it feeling like wow this guy really fell off whereas really if he had promoted this stuff a different way the reception might be different like even putting the even if the Trump stuff stays the same, right? Like him pissing off everybody by tweeting about Trump. Mm -hmm. If he just didn't seem to be doing these world-ending, show-stopping marketing campaigns for these albums, I think people might process them differently as pieces of music. The entire circus of like having people fly out to Wyoming to hear an album nine hours before everybody else would hear it, ostensibly, if the album actually comes out on time, which it didn't. None of them did. Uh, except for Pusha T, because I guess that one was finished. <laughs> like, imagine if somebody had, on a private jet, Micah, somebody <laughs> had flown you out to Wyoming to see Cars 3. Because that's what this is. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, Yay is like the Cars 3 of Kanye albums. Jesus Christ. So you do all that for Cars 3. That's That's the thing. That's the tension here that just doesn't, that just feels dumb. It's just like, <laughs> it's like you're flying me to can to see Deadpool 2. It just doesn't, uh, the swag doesn't match the sweaters. <laughs> you know, that's one way of putting it. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Let's do this. In the fullness of time, how are we going to look at this second coming of Good Fridays? I mean, like, is it going to just be something that we forget about? Or is it going to be just something that we're going to have to clumsily explain to our children is this just going to be like something that we're just going to look back and be like man i can't believe that we had our attention held hostage for an entire month by this stuff i mean it depends on i think the we there is pretty loose in terms of the oh yeah, yeah. the having our attention held hostage i mean even i after a point like that's that's how weary i think <laughs> was like by the time we got to the actual releases Kanye had squandered so much goodwill and there were so many promotional cues and clues that the music was not going to be as groundbreaking and exciting yeah I mean like there were the advanced like clips that you were getting on Instagram of him yeah. sitting in a room with Scott Adams playing a song that says it's always a lituation when I'm involved <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I do think that I mean if you're looking for the the grand context of if you were explaining this you're, you're accounting for your Kanye fandom to later generations I think both listening to these these albums and like reading John's profile today right I just there's this overwhelming sense of like, oh yeah, so this is basically around the time Kanye ended. Like obviously they're they're Kanye lifers, but the big mainstream nuclear age of Kanye sort of ended with this cycle. I think Pablo really, really telegraphed this, but Yay and Kids See Ghosts specifically are the albums where 
it's just like, oh, okay. Kanye's sort of out of musical ideas and he doesn't really seem that captivated by, he, he just doesn't seem hungry in the same way. Like so much of what he's doing on both those albums is sort of a, it's a rehash. It's him doing like, well, this, these are the musical lanes that I've occupied. And instead of doing what he does on almost every other Kanye album where he's like, what's a new lane? What's a new thing I can try to do? These feel it's like hundred percent like, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It feels like he's doing a melody. He's doing like Kanye and Kanye cutting medleys. Yeah. And again, that's like, there's an audience for that, but that's not exciting to me. Are we even in awe of Kanye's achievement of putting out five albums in five weeks? Are we not giving partial credit here? That's sort of the conceit of the Good Music Month, right? And, and it's one of the things that bugs me about it is this idea that the music isn't even... The music is a tertiary importance to the fact of the rollout itself and to the, the concept of all of these being seven song or eight song. Kanye seems so enamored with the quote-unquote accomplishment of all of this as an overproduced thing, as an overproduced rollout. And I, I just can't help but think of it as, as like when you see a headline about someone ate 9,000 French fries in one sitting and now they're in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's just like, that's not a real thing. Like, that's not a real... I know that you now a governing body has formally recognized this accomplishment, but it's not a real accomplishment. It's just a thing that you did. It's sort of both artless and doesn't really relate to anything about the human spirit or like human sort of physicality. It's just an arbitrary thing you chose to do to push the limits of something that no one else is really concerned about. And so it's like technically an achievement, but feels pretty vapid. Like, yeah, you produced, uh, released all of these albums, but it's like, mo- they mostly suck. It's- <laughs> like, I would be impressed if the albums were great and you did this, but it's, Anybody can make a bunch of songs that sound like they should have been left on a shelf somewhere and be like, I made all this music in this period of time. Yeah. Also, it's just kind of like the fantasy of somebody that runs, I don't know, a Kanye West fan account on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. It's just kind of like he made five beats a day for three summers. Now watch him make five albums in five weeks. Yeah, totally. It just seems like the music itself took a backseat to every other component of this, including like, like we said, all of the, the industriousness of it. Um, I just wanted to hear some good music. And I feel like that was not actually Kanye's priority in a lot of this. Well, is there anything worth saving to your, you know, like (laughs) to your star playlist, so to speak, or your anything worth adding to your rotation from this month? Like, is there one song that you think of and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that one is actually good? Mine is Santeria from Daytona. Yeah, I think Daytona is strong. Is that the best good music project to come out this month or? The Tiana Taylor album is the best one. Yeah, right? I thought so too. It's weird. Let's pass a law. I think we can do this in the, I think this is part of our contracts. (laughs) I sentence Kanye. This is a sentence. This isn't a law. I sentence Kanye to only being allowed from now on to produce R&B music. Please. Please. He is like an underrated R&B producer, with the exception of Life of Pablo, which has a a lot of R&B on it. And I actually think the R&B is the worst element of Life of Pablo. But outside of his own albums... Kanye is a great R&B producer, and I just think that the Tiana Taylor album is great because he is in such a different headspace when he's producing R&B music. Sometimes. 
his songs when he's making R&B do not sound overproduced. Like, they just don't. There's something he's able to get out of his own way and sort of let his music be, like, a platform for the artist's voice in a way that he just so often when he's producing for rappers does not do. And his beats get way too wonky and just even even Kanye beats that I like just have too much going on. And he he's only ever subtle and understated as a producer when he's producing, I think specifically for like female R&B singers. It is the one album that is the platonic ideal of what this good music month should have been in a bigger sense. Right. It didn't feel like he was just kind of stomping out being like, you know, I made this thing. This is me. And right. right. that I did this for It felt for like you. he was working with an artist, not just go. being. Yeah. yeah. It, felt it felt like, like there was a real partnership. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Charity. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that we came to the conclusion that Tiana Taylor had the best good music project to come out of this month. Everyone, please stick around because next we're going to talk more about the Tiana Taylor album with Hannah Georges, Atlantic staff writer. Been through more than a little bit, been through more than a little bit, but I ain't calling no names out. No, no free promotions. If it ain't about blessings, I can't even address it. I just bought my third house, no album out, and I got a mask. Driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, Lisa is an innovative direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. In fact, for every 10 mattresses Lisa sells, they donate one to a shelter for their 110 program. They also plant one tree for every mattress sold and donate 1% of each employee's time to volunteer for local causes. Not to mention, with a patented universal adaptive feel, Lisa is designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers, including 2-inch Avena foam top layer for cooling and breathability, 2-inch memory foam middle layer for body contouring and pressure relief, and 6-inch dense core support foam for durability and structure, which works for sleepers of all sizes. And now, Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, the blanket, the foundation, and frame. No wonder it's a Forbes top 20 startups to watch. Try Lisa mattress in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Available in the US, UK, Canada, and Germany online with free shipping, this 100% American-made mattress ships compressed in the box right to your door. Or try it at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York, and Virginia Beach, and over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Get $160 off when you go to lisa.com slash shuffle. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash shuffle. Tiana Taylor was the fifth of five Kanye West-produced albums to arrive last Friday, sort of. And as you just heard me and my colleague Justin Charity discuss, it's pretty good. Perhaps the best of all of the good music releases to come out this past month. But after an overlooked 2014 album, KTSE, which stands for Keep That Same Energy, which wasn't quite the triumphant return it was supposed to be, and uh, here to talk a little bit about why that might have been and how common those reasons are of, and of course, the album itself is staff writer at The Atlantic and a very dear, dear friend of mine, Hannah Georges. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm great, Micah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you for joining. You. Um, so let's just start with the album itself. Like the largest takeaway here feels like Tiana sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Her, I mean, her vocal 
come up has been great. Um, she does a sort of husky thing that she's known for and then kind of hits some higher notes in a way I didn't expect. Um, and it was exciting to hear. Yeah. And I mean, like also the, <laughs> so what Charity was saying was that we should only let Kanye produce R&B albums from now on. Um, the, uh, the, uh, Should we let Kanye produce? Uh, wow. Okay. Let's 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 talk about that. Let's dig into that a second. <laughs> like, what was your favorite song off of this project? What was, what seemed like the the most perfect marriage of his production and like her, I guess, explore, exploration of her vocal register? Yeah, I think that's a tough question. So my my initial response is that the best song I think on the album is issues slash hold on. Um, which is what kind a of a pretty vulnerable song for her. Yeah. Is that yours? Yes, it is. It is. I say I do just to say I don't. Don't give me no reason to go through your phone. This is deeper than you and other women. This is daddy issues. This is years, but But the song I wanted to like the most actually was Hurry. Um, and I think that's the one that Kanye sort of fumbled. Right. Speaking it to in a... Yeah, so you wrote a piece on The Atlantic talking about uh, how, well, the album in total. It's a it's a good review. You should go read it, everybody. Um, Thanks, pal. <laughs> but also, you were talking about how at the end of Hurry, which kind of would have been like this perfect summertime vibe of like, you know, mid-afternoon drinking and like, you know, just kind of... Sp- spending time with people close to you whose company you enjoy it like at the end of it comes this kind of really intense sexual you know what there's there's no way to 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 beat around this i mean like she just starts moaning really hyper realistically very uncomfortable yeah yeah exactly it's just kind of like you're going to be fumbling for the skip button if you're trying to listen to this around people 100 percent. i have a pretty high uh threshold for like sultry music that i'm willing to listen to in front of people but this this just far crosses any sort of barrier um and it's unfortunate because it does feel before you get there it feels like the tail end of like brunch drunk, like three, four mimosas in when you're just feeling kind of like woozy and warm and it, it has this kind of gentle feel to it. And then that comes in and knocks any sort of subtlety out of the window, um, which yeah. again, very unfortunate and very Kanye-esque if I may. Right. Cause you were saying that it was, it seemed like kind of a choice that he forced into the final version of the album. It didn't feel like it seemed to, go necessarily with the rest of the record because i mean like even his verse is is you know competent doesn't ruin the song at all and then right that happens you know (laughs) right and then you get there and it it feels like a production choice much more than a sort of lyrical or writing one um and that's where you know and i could find out that i'm wrong sure but i still feel in my heart of hearts that that was kanye right and I mean, like, let's talk a little bit about the rollout of this particular album. Um, Oh, man. Yeah. So the album was supposed to come out on Friday. It didn't really arrive until kind of, I don't know, late Saturday morning. Maybe it was, well, it arrived on title like late Saturday morning. There was this kind of image in, well, there was an image in this piece in the LA Times by uh, 
Michael Wood, who was at the BET Award experience, where it was just kind of, there was the image of Tiana singing frustratedly through songs that she, like old stuff from years ago. Right. And having right. to apologize for her album not being out. And she spent most right. of the, t- the intervening time retweeting fans asking where the album was. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and that, uh, I think we've, we've seen that before, right? Like we've seen artists have to do kind of PR on behalf of their labels who we know are the ones who are actually holding the project up. Right, right. Because I mean, there was also the the weird all caps tweets from Kim Kardashian talking about the album's so great, guys. Kanye's working on it on the plane. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it was just kind of tinkering and just holding on to the album when, at, like, it was where the artist just kind of has to explain to everyone why their album is out and they're waiting on it too. It's um, a really weird dynamic to have to be in. I mean, like one that like also has been coming more and more to light with uh, SZA recently um, with the story coming out about how basically TD had taken her hard drive that had the entire Control album on it and just did whatever they felt with with it. Um, Right, right. So you very much get the sense that sort of these um, you know, the more powerful entities, which like frankly are more often controlled by men are sort of holding the work of these artists hostage until whenever they feel like it. And it does feel arbitrary and it doesn't feel like, you know, I'm sure if you asked Kanye about it, he would say that there needed to be a very specific backing track on one specific thing that was needed to be added before it could be shared with the world. And we've all been there and procrastinated with things and that's all very well and good, but this is, you know, a thing that he announced and he shared that the world would arrive on a specific day. Yeah, and I mean, like, also, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I could not find any sort of streaming link for the live for the listening party, like the the oh, Harlem no, in LA thing. It, it right. just feels very much like this release was Tiana fighting an uphill battle against an overlooked 2014 album with Seven, which I literally can't remember anything about. Then with this album, she's coming out at the tail end of a month of nonsense from from Kanye's part. And with Pusha T reigniting his beef with Drake. And it's just kind of like in a uniquely unfair position for her to be in. Yeah. I mean, she's the one of the of the five projects that were released. All of these are very established male artists like mm-hmm. these releases are not make or break for their careers whereas Tiana is in a fundamentally different place like to have the backing of Kanye to have the good music label means much more for her than it would for any of those artists individually so I think it's a particularly unfortunate you know misstep on their part with far more far-reaching consequences yeah like okay so on this album she's several different versions of herself yeah I mean it's just kind of like yeah. A complete portrait of Tiana Taylor, the mom, the artist, the, I guess, you can't, it, Vixen seems reductive, but she, everybody <laughs> remembers the the fade video, guys, come on. Yeah, oh, whew. Um. yes. <laughs> so, you know, there's that, there's, there's mother and wife, right? There's mm-hmm. daughter of Harlem, um, there's frustrated artist, um, I do think the more frustrating tracks on this for me and the ones I wanted to like more are the ones where she does kind of try to do the like sexy R&B songstress thing. Um, I think she is good at that, but it doesn't scan quite, quite right here. Mm. Um, and partly, I don't know if that is 
whether it's a Kanye influence or whether it's just like this sort of male centric point of view, regardless, whether it's Kanye, whether it's Iman, her husband, um, whether it's Ty Dolla Sign coming in, it just feels like in the moments where she's articulating that she sort of shares a desire to center men's pleasure <laughs> in a way that's frustrating because that's not really who she is. Yeah. I feel like you're thinking specifically about three way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So whatever he want, he can get that. Long as I like, we can hit that. Oh, sweet on love. No. Soon as we done, she'll leave it right out the door. If you can keep our freaky secret on a down low, we can have a special thing going on. Three way. I couldn't wait to have with you. Talk about it. Speak speak on it. I, there was a there's a lot packed into that sigh right there. <laughs> First of all, it's called Three Way. Yeah. I was already, I was stressed out. The second I saw the title, I was like, this is going exactly where I think it's going. There's nothing else it could possibly be about. And sure enough, it begins by detailing exactly what you think it's going to detail. Um, but she speaks about this act, this experience, um, sort of explicitly from the perspective of being a woman who wants to please her husband. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that's a particularly interesting choice for Tiana as someone who's been sort of loosely um, associated with queer communities for a while because mm-hmm. she, you know, she unsurprisingly is not bringing in another man. She's talking about bringing in another woman, right? And there could have been a possibility to use this track as a way to play around with gender and with sexuality and what that would have meant for her um, as a queer, queer presenting, queer adjacent woman. Um, and it doesn't do that. It falls flat. I mean, you have a Mickey Blanco song later. This opportunity to kind of articulate a more complicated sexu- sexuality it really ends up being about like, here's the thing Amon wants to do, and I'm going to do anything to keep my man. So I'm going to do it and I'll go along with it. And then Ty Dolla Sign comes in, and I love Ty, but he does a lot on this. I also love Ty Dolla Sign. He sings really creepily about sex. I, I mean, like that's the the song was only going to be one thing once you saw the title three way featuring Ty right. Dolla Sign. Yeah. Um, but about the Mickey Blanco assisted song, WTP. She's a motherfucking international sensation. She's not your average showgirl. Allow Miss Taylor to sing the blues. Kind of the only obvious club banger on the like on the record, and it is the eighth uh, song on the seven on what would normally be a seven song good music project, or you know like by right. the parameter set. It seems just sort of attached and out there. I mean, like, do you think it was just included because it was supposed there were no club smashes on the record, or? I don't, yeah, I don't know what the thinking behind it was, but I'm really grateful that it was. I think I would have loved to see that in the place of three way. <laughs> but um, if we have to have both, we have to have both. It feels the most, most sort of authentic to 
the kind of like vivacious, the vibrant energy that she has and that she can bring into her music and like the most encompassing of all that R and B can be. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of sort of like sultry, like sexy records. There's a lot of like dedications to her family. And then to add WTP as an example of like all that R and B can embody and all that it can do and all that it can mean, especially when R and B as a genre is, not given credit for that, I think was particularly exciting, but it does, it doesn't totally fit in with everything else. Yeah. So in the, in the slate of good music releases, this is definitely the best one, right? Oh, by far. Yeah. But even so there's just kind of like this over this cloud of sadness hanging over it just because of all of the nonsense that surrounded it. It wasn't really what it was supposed to be. Ideally, you would have had a five-album run from Good Music that was going to be, you know, exciting and iterative and allow artists to build on each other and build to all benefit from the hype. You know, like, ideally, Sanas would have come out at a point where everybody had been so excited about the previous projects that they would have continued being dialed in. And I think now what you've had is a lot of people either not getting on the train at all because of Kanye's nonsense um, well before any of the records came out or kind of falling off along the way. Um, And that sort of is a danger of her having been at the end of it is it who's still left. And, you know, Connie spoke in his interview um, with the times that just went up today about feeling like there's nothing he can do to make black fans abandon him. And that is stressful, first of all, but secondly, even if it's true, I think there's a lot he can do to make his fans abandon the people under his wing. Um, And it feels like Tiana might be falling victim to that. Mm. I, I can't, see I don't think that it's a worthwhile thing I guess to examine what it would be like if she was with another with another imprint I guess but I also don't know what it, how it would be different if she was with a major label because I mean like take Tanache for for instance oh bless her heart yeah um yeah I mean I don't want to see her being put in that position either and obviously we've seen what's gone on with SZA and I think like this is this is a broader issue this is a broader phenomenon within the industry within R&B within rap in particular where you see like extremely promising young women artists who are sidelined or just not given the space or the resources or the kind of best climate to best thrive um, and yeah it feels like an, a broader conversation certainly in the meantime I hope she's getting like her money from the VH1 show I hope she's getting her money from the Junie B nail salon that she started in Harlem. Like she has, you know, she's versatile in the sense that music is not her only lifeline. Um, and that's great, but it, it shouldn't have to be that way. Yeah. I mean, like it shouldn't be left to them to have to diversify to get outside of music in order to find any sort of success. But within the current framework, that seems to be the only way that it'll work is if you also have a bunch of side hustles in addition to making music because there's no money or advancement in it, it seems, at present. Unless you are, I guess, a certain level of superstar. I mean, like, I guess unless you're... And not even caliber necessarily, like, talent-wise, but just, like, commercially and sort of, like, you know, in terms of the popular public. Um, Yeah, otherwise you do need some sort of sense of leverage. Um, Okay, to circle back around to the music... uh, from Keep That Same Energy, what is that one track that you're actually going to take with you and it's going to stay in your rotation through the end of the summer? Oh, man. Okay. Um, it's either going to be Issues, Slash Hold On, which we talked about earlier. It's WTP, just so pretty. Or, <laughs> um, or if I can 
you know, lovingly cajole a DJ friend to edit out the moans on hurry, then it could very well be hurry. Um, and if that happens, I will let you know. <laughs> yeah, get cajoling. Also, uh, <laughs> Ahana, thank you very much for joining me and uh, walking through this whole Tiana situation. Yeah, happily. Thanks for having me. Good to be back around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for this week's music recommendations, we actually at TheRinger.com, great website, are going to be doing best of the year so far. There's already a piece from Rob Harvilla and Justin Charity about the best songs of the year. Uh, And me and my other colleague, Lindsay Zolads, will be doing best albums of the year so far. Uh, So I'm going to talk about one of them that didn't make it onto the list because I... I'm not writing about it, but I want you to know that it's very good and it was a very painful decision to leave it off. Everything's Fine by Gene Gray and Kel Chris, a married couple of rappers, and they are rapping about mental health, but not in the way that is kind of, I don't know, laborious. It doesn't feel like the way that people normally rap about mental health. It's very fun and very good album. You should check that out. Let's welcome back last week's champion, Frank. Frank is currently flying high on every drug imaginable just to cope with the day-to-day stresses of surviving in modern times. How are you doing, Frank? Everything's fine. That's just super. And the other recommendation I have is the new Rico Nasty album. You may have seen when the XXL freshman list came out that Rico Nasty was not on it, and nobody could believe that, myself included. But Nasty came out. It's 14 songs, and the song that I'm really kind of like playing the shit out of at the moment is In the Air, uh, which has Black Boy JB on it, so you should check that out. Guys, once again, thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Hannah Georges and Justin Charity for joining me. Shout out my producers, Agia Chagre and Zach Mack. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we will be updating every week with the songs that we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We would really, really appreciate it. So, peace. See you next week. Stay black, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We out.